Hi, my name is Ante Jaroncic and welcome to Artist Vivendi, The Craft of Living. So today I want to take some more time to unpack the very meaning of the craft of living. After all, I mean, this is the name of the channel, right? So I have to give some more clarity what is included under this concept and what do I mean to address in the subsequent period. And I know that I have already sort of broached the topic a little bit in some of my earlier videos, but you know, I, I feel that having a sense of the concept and what it means and what this channel, after all, what it means, I think is, is really proper and important. Now, I have to say that the art of living or the craft of living is basically a translation of a Greek term, a Greek phrase, techne peri tonbion. It is found in among ancient thinkers in ancient philosophy, especially the Stoics. Mostly the Stoics used that concept, this art of living. And that goes very much in line with the conception of philosophy that insist, uh, existed in ancient times, where philosophy was perceived, understood, defined as a therapy of the soul, as a way to really, a means, let me put it this way, to guide us towards a good life. So, techne periton beyond, the craft of living. For instance, Epictetus, uh, one of those famous Roman Stoics, in, in his discourses, writes about the fact that, you know, as there just as wood is used by the carpenter to create some beautiful objects and bronze by the sculptor. So each individual's own life is the material of the art of living. So this is kind of briefly, right? And then understood and defined. I think it's really, really great, right? And there is something, a deep understanding of what that entails. Or there should be an understand, there should be an understanding of the components that go into this idea of the craft of living. And let me kind of spell them out a little bit. Like for one, I would say, first of all, every conception of the good life. What is a good life? And what is the craft of living and the art of living always rides on a specific understanding of the human being, right? I mean, if, if you look at these different conceptions, of the good life. If you compare, for instance, Nietzsche with Kierkegaard and Kierkegaard with Socrates and Socrates with, with, with Jesus, right? And Jesus with some of these contemporary sort of versions, life hack versions that we have, often coming from a Silicon Valley, what it means to live a fulfilled life, a full life and all of that. All of these different conceptions of the good life ride on a specific anthropology, a specific understanding of the human being, what it means to be a human person, what it means to be a human being in relationship to others, what is the meaning of even of consciousness, what is the purpose of human life, how do human beings actually get changed and transformed? What is the presence of the obstacles? What kind of obstacles do we have as human beings to achieve a good life? So all of these different anthropologies, they will really very much define like the kind of good life that flows from such an understanding. So we always have to be aware of these underlying, let me call them anthropological assumptions and uh, uh, assumptions about you know, the self, what it means to be a human subject, what it means to be a person, what it means to be an agent. Like all of these things are deeply, deeply 
present and embedded in any conception of the good life. And we have to be very clear about that, right? We have to, we have to always ask ourselves about ourselves, right? Like, like if I say this, what do I imply about myself? And when other people claim that, what sort of view of the human person informs that perspective? So we have to be incredibly clear about this. Number two. So the second element that goes into this techne periton beyond the craft of living is really a conception of the good life. I mean, that's kind of a given, right? And so we have different versions and different conceptions of what it means to achieve such a life. In antiquity, people referred to this good life as eudaimonia, right? Um, this kind of word that is so difficult to translate. Uh, we could use happiness, but happiness has been really cheapened as a term. We could use subjective well-being, but that's not the only thing that is implied in that. So it means really a kind of a notion of human flourishing over a longer period of time. So that is what eudaimonia would mean, a good life. And obviously, um, the conception of a good life that you find in Hinduism is quite different than the one you find in Judaism or Christianity, or what you would find in someone who is uh, not a practicing believer or who is not a religious person, right? And yet there might be overlaps as well, right? But but we have to keep in mind that there are very different conceptions of the good life. And we have to ask ourselves, is there like one conception, right? Is it possible to actually even do that? Is it even possible to articulate, well, this is how the good life should look like? And I believe my personal take on that is that my answer would be yes and no. I firmly believe, as someone who has a huge sympathy towards something called the natural law, the kind of sense that there are certain properties of being human that are universal, right? I think we should be able to retain some sort of universal language as we talk about human beings, right? Obviously, we all need some sort of shelter. We need food. We need different kinds to flourish as individual human beings. We need these basic human goods. Now, it might be a struggle to define them, right? And there have been many accounts given, and Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs is just one of the many approaches that people have offered. But I believe there's a value in that. There's a value in struggling to define what is a good life. And I believe that uh, universal language is not only appropriate, but it's also necessary for us to be able to speak meaningfully across cultures. So, for example, the need to be recognized, the need to have dignity, the need to have autonomy, however constrained, it might be even, let's say, in a patriarchal society, right, in the concept of patriarchy. Still, if a person, a woman, had no autonomy, if she could not decide even on the some small choice, right? I mean, that would be seriously thwart her agency and her, her, her as a human being. So, so I believe this, that there's this universal aspect. At the same time, I believe there are different ways, different forms of these good lives that we can articulate and even perceive around us. I believe that the good life of a farmer is different than a good life of a poet. And, 
And the good life of a poet, again, is very different from the good life of an athlete. And it's different because it contains different goals, but also because it requires different sets of capacities and requires different practices to achieve competency, competencies that guide one towards some sort of teller, some sort of goal, some sort of purpose, right? So this kind of a mixture of the universal and the particular, that there are some universal laws and principles about how we change and how we flourish and some non-negotiables, which I would like to maintain that those really exist, combining that with individuality, with context, with different historical periods, with different vocations. So that is, I think, very important as we talk about the good life or the craft of living, as we talk about the techne peri ton beyond, the art or craft of living. Number three, I think the question then is also, how can we know about such a life? Like, how can we access? What are the sources? How do we learn what a good life really might be. Is this something that is constrained or contained within certain just wisdom traditions? Or if you are religious within, within your religion, right? Where is it dispersed and how can we access it? How can we know about that? As a matter of fact, who has the right to talk about this? Right? Should we really listen about the good life only from people whom we actually respect as having embodied these important principles in their existence. We can use the language of moral exemplars or wisdom exemplars or good life exemplars. Or can just anyone write a book about this? Like, what is, what is our authority? Who are the authorities that we go to as we try to figure out this question about the art of living? So this question of access to that information access to the knowledge, the sources of these insights, where do we find them, how do we learn, and all of that. And actually, one of the important aspects of this channel is the conviction that I cannot articulate this, right? And this is my, not, not my goal to articulate what is the good life, what is the craft of living. That would be so fundamentally alien to how I learned about that. I didn't get this from one person. I got this from many different sources and from many different experiences. And I have experimented with many different things. So everything that is in this channel and in any of the video might just be a tiny speck, right? Just a tiny nudge, a small insight, which you then have to combine with other things you have learned from other places. So I believe that the knowledge is dispersed I do believe as a Christian that for me, Jesus is the ultimate embodiment of a good life. But there are other people who have mastered the art of living to a better or a lesser degree, and I want to learn from them. And especially those who actually are showing that kind of existence, are actually living it out, are people who are going to really receive my hearing. And those not, need not to be, certainly not academics, right? And certainly not even writers or people who are popular or, you know, present sort of in a social media ecosphere. Ecosphere. Those could be like people, quote unquote, 
ordinary people, although there are no ordinary people, as C.S. Lewis has told us, but quote-unquote ordinary people who are not really on any pedestal in terms of popularity, but you look at their lives and you see their composure, their contentment, their wise insights, their ability to deal with suffering, their joy and sense of gratitude, and you want to say, well, you know, Look at look at this human being. Just the other day, I, I talked to one of my former students, and they're facing some health situation in their family, and uh, you know, and I ask him, you know, well, how is how is how are you dealing with this, and how is your father dealing with this? And then he told me a little bit about his dad and the fact that his dad, over the last couple of years, has had many losses in his family. Right, uh, people have passed away, and now this situation that they're facing, and and he said the student told me how he's amazed um, about the way his father accepts all of this or goes through all of this with a spirit of equanimity and tranquility and, and peacefulness. That you, when you look at his dad, you would never from the outside see that he is struggling or suffering and all of that. And I thought in my mind, right there, right? Right there you have a saint. Right there you have a sage, right? Who might not have written a word about that topic and yet is an embodiment of certainly one aspect of the good life. So that would be the third question, right? Like, how can we have access to this and how can we learn about this? Number four, I believe that Tecne Periton Beyond, the craft of living, has to do with certain practices, right? And that was kind of included in some of the other points I already had. Like practices, things that we need to do. And again, here you have this combination of the universal and the particular. Like some things I believe are universal. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your perspective is. But if you are chronically sleep deprived, eventually that will manifest itself in ways that are perhaps not, not that good. So there might be some universal practices which goes in accordance, which kind of reflects the idea that there are certain universal human properties. I believe, in other words, that they are fundamental principles and practices that are applicable to everyone. And what I hope to do in the future is actually go very specifically through some of them. How they are done, at w- in, in what manner, right? Well, that might differ. You know, like when you do it and how you do it, that can differ, right? But there are some universal things. On the other hand, there are also some practices that are really idiosyncratic, right? They, they reflect our personality types, our proclivities, our needs that we have, our vocational goals. So we have to keep those things in mind as well. And finally, the final aspect for me of the craft of living is how does all of this relate to the divine, to some transcendent norms and transcendent source? You know, actually, when you look at some of these contemporary life hacks that people are writing about, where basically they're using... Um, you know, stoicism, they're using these ancient schools and completely extracting them from their original context and simply using them as a mechanism to, you know, 
to reduce stress or to be more productive or to achieve, you know, you know, to achieve more things in life and all that. But we have to ask whether that really works. Because for the Stoics, even the Roman, Roman Stoics, even the Roman Stoics, who were way more practical and way more focused on the ethical aspect of Stoicism, the, the good living aspect of Stoicism, and not so much perhaps on metaphysics and logic that we had in perhaps in Greek Stoicism, even they developed their practices, developed their understanding of a good life within a wider cosmological framework, right? So what they say about meditation, about mindfulness, about seizing the day, about living in the present, that directly flows from some deeply held convictions about the nature of reality and the nature of the universe. So we have always to watch how are we dealing with these practices when we, and what is the function of these practices and how do they actually operate once we have separated them from their broader sort of context? And that is a question that I want to ask. But the fundamental question then is in, in this final aspect, this fifth aspect, about the techne periton beyond, about the art of living, is how does this relate to God and to transcendence? And for me, as a practicing believer, practicing Seventh-day Adventist, a practicing Christian, that will be absolutely significant. Now, I don't believe personally that I need to use religious language all the time. As a matter of fact, I believe that one of the greatest tasks and duties it is to be able to translate our commitments in ways that others can understand. Again, not in some sort of way in which we hide our commitments or trying to find just some sort of generic spirituality. That is one danger. But the other danger is simply to be confined to our silos and not being able to talk with other people who are on the, for the lack of a better word, on the same journey of pursuing this craft of living. And somehow thinking that we cannot offer them anything or that, or that they cannot offer us anything. I mean, that would be a mistake. So when you look at the five elements that we have talked about, they contain five fundamental questions that any school of life or way of life or wisdom tradition or anyone who is worth his salt has to answer before they can communicate a meaningful vision of the art of living. Question number one, who is the human being, right? Question number two, what is a good life? Question number three, how can we know about this? Question number four, how can we achieve this? How can we become an integrated, a good person? How can the craft of living really become a practical reality? And number five, what is the nature of ultimate reality? Or this kind of broader sort of metaphysical questions that we can talk about. I mean, these five questions, any, again, any school of life, any philosophy of life, in some ways is already articulating, but also has to consciously articulate to be a well-thought, well-formulated, practically significant system of thought or school of thought that can appeal to individuals. And for me, these are essential questions that I will be addressing on this channel repeatedly and hopefully with increasing clarity and with 
increasing conviction even. So thank you so much for listening today. Uh, I wish you to live well, to stay strong, and until the next time.